Yesterday I told you the classic French story of Cinderella. Now this is the German version from the Brothers Grimm. Rhonda thought it might be nice to show the contrast between the stories. And also to show that stories, they go all around the world. And there are different versions in different countries. So this is the German version of Cinderella. But it's called Aschenputter. Now there was once a merchant who was very rich, and he lived in a lovely house with his wife, and they lived there for some time in great joy and happiness. His wife was absolutely lovely, kind and thoughtful and considerate. They had one child, a daughter, who they loved very much. Now one day the mother took ill and she grew weaker and weaker, and she knew she was going to die. So she called her daughter to her and said, My dear child, I have to leave you now, but I will watch over you from heaven. Plant on my grave a little tree, and if you should wish for something, just shake the tree and you will have it. But be good, and always be kind and pure, she said. And then she closed her eyes and died. Now the poor girl wept and wept many tears for her mother, and she planted the grave, the tree on the grave. But she didn't need to water the tree, because her tears did that for her. Well, the mother's grave was covered with a blanket of snow, and then the sun took it away, and the tree was green again. And it was at that time that the girl's father married again. He married a widow woman who had two daughters. Now these daughters were very beautiful to look at, but they were nasty, spiteful, horrible, nasty girls. They had a bad heart, and they treated their stepsister very badly. The stepmother said to her, What is this creature doing in our rooms? Get out at once, down to the kitchen with you, that's the place for you, and if you want to eat any bread in this house, you have to earn it first. You'll have to work for it. You can be our maid." And then the stepsister said, Yes, and give us that dress that you're wearing. It's far too good for the likes of you. Here, this is more in keeping with you. And they gave her a grey-coloured smock to wear. There, they said, that's better. She was sent down to the kitchen, and the poor girl had to work so hard. She had to be up before dawn to draw water from the well. She had to cook and bake and wash and clean and act as servants for her stepmother and stepsister. They did nothing for themselves. She was always called on to do everything for them, from doing their hair to dressing them and tying their shoes. She had the most miserable life, and she had nowhere to sleep other than lying by the side of the ashes 
by the side of the hearth at the fire in the kitchen, and soon she became covered with ashes, so that she was dirty, and then the stepsister gave her a new name, Ashenputte, which means a girl who is dirty with ashes. Well, Ashenputte had a terrible time, and they were always scolding her and being as cruel to her as possible and humiliating her with at every opportunity. The poor girl's life was a misery. Now, it came a time when the king declared that he was going to throw a ball. This ball was to last for three days. His idea was that his son was now of marriageable age, and that he should find himself a wife. And what better way of finding a wife than inviting all the people, all the, the wealthy people and the landed gentry from all around to come to the ball, and then the prince could choose a bride from among all these girls. An invitation went to the house where Ashenputta lived, but obviously it was for her sisters. Oh, we will go there, we will dress in great style, they said. Yes, we will dance with the prince. He will fall in love with us. We are beautiful. And they were beautiful, but they were horrible too. They called Ashenputta up to help dress them and to do their hair and make everything lovely. And then they said, Ashenputta, would you like to come to the ball too? Oh, yes, she said. Yes, I would. Well, you're not going to, said the eldest. No, we wouldn't have you there. And look at you, the state that you're in. Everybody would stare at you, and we would be ashamed to be thought of as being your sisters. No, the kitchen is the place for you and I will give you something to do. Well, that struck fear in the heart of poor Ashenputta, because they were so cruel to her. They used to take down bowls full of lentils and peas and scatter it in among the ashes and make her pick them all out one by one and clean them. No, they were horrible to her and she knew that there would be a horrible task waiting for her. And sure enough, the eldest sister came down with a large bowl full of lentils. Now some of the lentils were bad, and were no use for eating. And her stepsister said to Ashenputta, Right, I want you to pick all the bad lentils from this pile here. And the pile was poured onto the floor in front of the fire. Pick out every single bad lentil out of that before we come home. And if I find so much as one lentil, well, you'll know what will happen to you. Oh, yeah, she knew about that stick that knew her back well. She knew the cruelty of those girls. Well, a carriage pulled out 
pulled up outside the door, and the two sisters got into it. And Ashenputta stood at the door and watched it as it disappeared down the road. Now she went in and she looked at this pile of lentils lying there with many bad ones among them. And she thought, oh, this will take me till midnight to sort and clean all of these lentils. Oh, oh, how I wish my mother was here. How I wish that she could see what was happening to me. Well, with that, there was a fluttering at the window, and she looked up, and there was a white pigeon. And a second white pigeon came fluttering over and landed by the first one. And they spoke to her. They said, Ashenputta, would you like us to help you sort the lentils? Oh, yes, she said, please. Well, more pigeons flew in as well, and the two pigeons that were there to start with said, The good ones for the little pot, the bad ones for your little crop. And all the pigeons went peck, 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 peck. And they pecked out all the bad lentils and they ate them. But they left all the good ones. So in just minutes, this whole huge pile was now all sorted and she could sweep it up and put it back into a bowl. Now the pigeons flew out apart from the two white ones. And they said to her, would you like to see your sisters dancing with the prince at the ball? Oh, yes, said Ashenputter. Oh, I would love that. Come with us. Where to? To the pigeon coop. If you climb up to the top of the pigeon coop with us, you can see in through the window of the palace, and you can see the ball. So she went with the pigeons, and she climbed to the top of the pigeon coop. And sure enough, she could see in the distance there, there was the ballroom of the palace, and it was lit with four thousand glittering chandeliers, and it was so bright and beautiful that she could see her sisters dancing with the prince. But, oh, it made her heart heavy. She climbed back down when she'd seen enough, and she went back to the side of the fire and lay down among the ashes. Now, the sisters came home, and the next morning, of course, Ashenputtam had to be there to help them dress and comb their hair and style it and put it up for them. And she said, Did you have a good time at the ball last night? Oh, yes, it was wonderful, it was marvellous. Yes, the prince danced with us. Oh, he couldn't keep his eyes off us. Yes, one of us is sure to marry the prince and become queen after the old king dies. Yes, said Ashenputter, I saw you dance with the prince. What? said the eldest stepdaughter. How could you see us dance? I climbed to the top of the pigeon coop, and there I was able to see through the window of the palace, and I saw you dance with the prince. What? 
she said. Oh, she was furious. She was mad, and she ordered the pigeon coop to be torn down immediately. You'll not see that again, she said. Well, that next evening, of course, poor Ashenputter was busy getting them all dressed and ready for the second ball. Now, again they were teasing her. Would you like to come to the ball as well and see the prince? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. No, said the eldest, I have another job for you. And she went down with a sack full of sweet peas, and she tipped them out on the floor, and she said, I want all the bad ones sorted out from the good ones, and you have to do it before we come home, or you know the consequences. Oh, yes, Ashenputter knew the consequences only too well. Well, off they went. She watched them disappear down the road in the carriage, and then she went back with a sigh and looked at the big heap of peas on the floor, and she had to start to sort them out, when she heard a flutter at the window, and there were the two white pigeons again. Ashenputter, would you like us to help you sort the peas? Oh, yes, she said. Oh, please. Well, they flew in, and many other pigeons flew in with them. And they said again, the good ones for you, the good ones for the little pot, the bad ones for the little crop. And then they went peck, 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 until they'd pecked all the bad peas out and ate them. And there was only the good ones left. And then they all flew out through the window, apart from the two white pigeons. Once all the peas had been gathered up back into the sack, they said to Ashenputter, would you like to go to the ball and to dance with the prince? Oh, God, yes, she said. Yes, I would love that. But how can I, she said. Look at me. I have no dress to wear. Go to your mother's grave, said the little white pigeon, and shake the tree there, and you will get a dress. So... Ashenputter ran to her mother's grave, and she shook the little tree that grew on it, and she said, Shake and wobble, little tree, let beautiful clothes fall down to me. And the most beautiful dress fell down. It was silver, and with it there was pearls and jewels, fine silver stockings, and a pair of silver slippers. She took the clothes back to the house, and then she washed herself so she was clean. And then she dressed herself up in this beautiful dress, and when she went outside there was a carriage waiting for her. And it was all silver too. And the men there, the coachman and the footman, they were all dressed in silver and blue. They looked very beautiful. And they took Ashenputter by the hand, and they led her up to the coach, and they helped her on board, and then they set off, and they drove to the palace. Now they made such a spectacular arrival that even the prince noticed, and he walked out of the ballroom and down the steps to see who this could be. It was—this carriage was drawn by six black horses— 
and on their heads there was white feathers, and the beautiful silver carriage, and the, the men with it, all in the livery of blues and silver. He thought that this must be a princess from another land, another kingdom that had come to the ball, and he went down, and he opened the door himself, and there he saw the most beautiful girl he had ever seen in his life, because Ashenputtle, under all that ashes, was very, very beautiful indeed. He took her by the hand, and he helped her down from the carriage, and he led her up the steps to the ballroom and everyone was amazed to see the beautiful woman that came into their midst, and with all those four thousand chandeliers all burning with candles and all cut glass, the light reflected on her silver dress, and she looked radiant, and the prince danced with her, and she danced so gracefully. But there had been one condition— the little birds had said that she had to be home by midnight, and she was very, very careful to keep a good watch on the time. She always kept an eye on the clock, and when it was nearing midnight, she said to the prince, I am sorry, and she made a low curtsy, and she said, I have to go now. Oh, no, please stay, please, please, please stay, he said. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Well, promise me you'll come back tomorrow. Promise me. I'll do my best, she said. And she went down the steps, and there was the silver carriage waiting for her. And she climbed in, and the six black horses drew it away, and the prince stood and watched longingly as it went down the road. Now she got back home before midnight, and she went back to her mother's grave, and she shook the little tree, and she said, Shake and wobble, little tree, take these clothes back from me. And the clothes all disappeared, and there she was back in her grey smock again. Well, that night she went back in and lay by the fire as usual, but she'd hardly got there when the door opened. And in came her sisters, and they shouted for her, Ashenputter, Ashenputter, come here at once and light our way to our bedchamber. She got up and pretended to be tired, yawning and, and wiping her eyes, and she took the candle and led them up to their room. Did you have a good night? she said. No, this, the elder sister said. There was this princess arrived. And the prince only had eyes for her. He danced with her all night. No one else got a look in. And then she left very quickly. And then he had no interest in dancing any more. Yes, said the other sister. It was just as though the lights had been put out. Yes, we were all told to go home. Mm. Ah, that must have been the princess that I saw. Where did you see her? said the eldest stepdaughter. Why, I was standing in the doorway, and I saw a beautiful silver carriage drawn by six black horses go past with a beautiful girl in it. 
You had no business standing in the door. I hope you got all those peas cleaned. Oh, yes, that's all done. Well, I'll be checking in the morning to make sure. They're all there waiting for you. Well, you won't do that again. You're not allowed to stand and look out the door. So they went off to their beds. And the next day they made a big fuss again about getting themselves prepared. They took more time this time to get themselves all ready, because they knew that if this princess turned up, they would have competition. They didn't like that at all. Yeah, they moaned all day long about the princess. They cursed her. They said that they wished she was in her grave, because the prince would only dance with her. Oh, they were spiteful. They were jealous and envious. They were nasty, nasty people. Well, poor Ashenputta had to work all day helping them to get ready, as well as doing all her own work as well. And when it came to be time for them to go, the elder sister said, No standing outside this time. I do not want to hear of you standing outside the door again. You'll get lazy. Maybe we should let her come and look through the window to see if she can see the princess, said the younger of the two stepsisters, who was slightly not as bad as her older sister. No, she said. No, said the older sister. She'll only get lazy if she did that. No, she has to work. And she took down an even bigger sack full of peas and tipped it on the floor. I want all the old peas, the bad ones, picked out from that and the good ones left, and I want it done before we come home, or you know what'll happen to you. Oh, I know only too well, thought Ashenputta, but of course she said nothing, because that would have got her a walloping as well, a good thrashing. So she went down to the kitchen, and she looked up at the window, and she thought, Oh, I hope the little pigeons come today. And there was a flutter in there with the two white pigeons. Ashenputta, they said, Would you like us to help you sort the peas? Oh, yes, please, she said. And then there was a great fluttering of wings, and more pigeons came in. And the two white pigeons said, The good ones for the little pot, the bad ones for your little crop. And all the pigeons started to go peck, 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 peck. And they pecked up all the bad peas and left all the good ones. And they were done the work in no time at all. Would you like to go to the ball and dance with the prince again? asked one of the little pigeons. Oh, yes, oh, God, yes, I would love to. Then go back to your mother's grave and ask for a dress, and everything will be provided for you. But remember, you have to be back by midnight. Oh, I shall, she said. And she went to her mother's grave, and she shook the little tree that grew on it. And she said, Shake and wobble, little tree, let beautiful clothes fall down to me. And beautiful clothes did fall down, much more beautiful than the day before. Now the dress that fell down was of gold, and her stockings was of gold, and her slippers were gold, and 
There was much jewels with it as well, jewels of all kinds, so beautiful. She went in and washed, and then she dressed herself in this beautiful dress with the golden slippers. And then she went outside, and there was a coach waiting for her, a coach made of gold, and it was pulled by six white horses with big coloured plumes on their heads. And all the coach drivers and the footmen, the livery that they wore, was all red and gold. And they opened the door of the carriage and they helped her in. And then they rode off to the castle. Well, the prince was waiting for them. He was standing by the steps, watching, waiting for his princess to come, and longing for her and hoping that she was going to be there. He had never stopped thinking about her all that day. And what he was thinking was, if I was to choose any woman from among all the ladies at the ball, it would be her. Oh, it would be her. She is so beautiful. I love her. She is the one for me, no one else. Well, the golden coach drawn by six white horses arrived, and the prince leapt down to open the door. The footman, all dressed in red and gold, never had a chance. He was there first, opened the door, and he took her by the hand, and he helped her down the steps. And then he led her up the flight of steps into the ballroom, and he danced with her all night. Now he wanted to know who this beautiful woman was. It was obvious she must be a princess, because she was so beautiful, but also so rich. That carriage and horses, and the dress she was wearing, and the jewels that sparkled under the four thousand chandeliers, which made her dress glow like the sun at midday, and everybody was amazed at the sight of her. Now the prince had asked some of his men to stand on the road that led down from the their palace, so that they knew where the coach was going, so they could find out where the princess was staying or lived. And also, in order to slow her down, he had painted the steps outside now with pitch, which is a sticky black tar, and he hoped that, that would slow her down if she left in a hurry again. Well, Ashenputta danced with the prince all night. He danced with no one else, looked at no one else. And her stepsister stood there, and their faces were pale with anger. They were furious. The look of hatred in their eyes whenever they glided past in a dance. Oh, they were mad. They were jealous. The spite in them was so strong, it almost made them burst. Well, Ashenputta was enjoying the dancing so much, and talking to the prince and laughing that she forgot to watch the time.
and the first thing she knew was the first stroke of midnight on the great clock. She knew she had to be out of there before the last bell rang, the last chime of midnight. And she said, Oh, Your Majesty, I have to go. And she curtsied and she turned and ran from him. He ran after her, pleading for her to stay. She ran down the steps. The clock still rang, and she ran down, and one of her golden slippers got stuck in the tower, and she didn't have time to stop to take it back. She ran down the steps now, but then the last chime of midnight sounded, and her beautiful golden coach with the Six white horses, and all the footmen and the coachmen, dressed in red and gold, they all disappeared. And so did her beautiful dress. She was left there in her grey smock, and she ran home. Now, none of the men that were waiting by the side of the road, they didn't see a beautiful carriage go past. All they saw was a poor, ragged beggar girl running down the road. And so the prince didn't know who she was or where she came from. But he spotted the golden slipper stuck in the tower on the step, and he went down and he pulled it out of the pitch, and he kept it. I don't know who she is, he said, but I know that this slipper will fit her. And it is so small, so tiny and delicate, that I believe that only her foot could fit it. So I will try every woman in this land to put on the slipper to see if it fits. And the girl that it fits I will marry, she will be my bride." Now, of course, news of this went through the land like wildfire. And in Ashenputtel's home, when their sisters had come home, well, they were still in a foul mood, and they didn't say much either, because that princess had been back there again, and the prince had paid no attention to any of them. They might as well have stayed at home. But then the prince started going from house to house, all the big ones first, all the castles, palaces, large houses. He went around with the the cushion, a beautiful cushion with the golden slipper on it, and he gave it to all the ladies to try on, and it fitted none of them. It was too small. Now it came to the turn of the home where Ashenputtel lived, and... Her stepmother determined that one of her girls should marry the prince, took her, her daughters aside and said, Now it is very important that one of you can fit that shoe. And she took out a big glittering knife and she handed it to the eldest and said, you try it first, and if your foot doesn't fit, then cut part of it off so that it will fit into the slipper. It will hurt, but it will be worth it when you become queen. Well, 
Yes. The step-sister agreed. Yes. I will. So when the prince arrived and presented her with the shoe, she went into her chamber with it, and she tried it on. Now she could get her feet into it, her toes into it, but her heel wouldn't go into it. The heel was too big. So she took the knife and she cut off part of her heel. Oh, it was painful. But it meant that her foot now slipped into the slipper and fitted. So she went through and said to the prince, See, my shoe fits me. Well, the prince stared at it and said, So it does. Then you must be the woman who is my bride. And he led her by the hand to the door. And when they got out the door and they just got to the gate, there was two little white pigeons flew round and round them and they sang a little song. Looky, look, look at the shoe that she took. There's blood all over. The shoe's too small. She's not the bride you met at the ball. And then the prince looked, and sure enough, there was blood running out of the slipper. He took it off, and he saw what she'd done. And he led her back to the house, and gave her to her mother, and said, This is not the right bride. Well, try my other daughter, she said. And the shoe was given to the younger stepdaughter, and she took the shoe, and went into her chamber. But... When she put her foot in, well, it was too long. So she cut off the ends of her toes until the shoe fitted. Oh, it was painful, but she thought, I want to be queen, I want to be queen, I want to be queen. And so she came through and said, It fits perfectly. Well, said the prince, then you must be my bride. So he led her by the hand to the door, and on the path, before they got to the gate, the same two little white pigeons flew around, and they sang, Looky, look, look, at the shoe that she took. There's blood all over. The shoe's too small. She's not the bride you met at the ball. And the prince looked, and sure enough, there was blood on her stockings, and blood was pouring out of the slipper. He took it off, and he could see the mangled state of her foot, and he led her back in the house, and gave her back to her mother, saying, This is not the right bride. Is there another girl that lives here? No, said the stepmother, only Ashenputter, but... She's just a dirty thing that lives in the kitchen. She wouldn't fit the shoe. There's no point trying her. I'm trying everyone in the land, said the prince, and she shall be no exception. So Ashenputta was sent for. Now, she knew what was happening here, and she washed and made herself look presentable. And then she went up. And there was the prince, and he handed her the shoe, and she slipped it on in front of him, and it fitted perfectly. And then he looked at her, and he recognized her as the beautiful woman that he had danced with, and he said, Oh, yes, you are my true 
cried. And he led her by the hand to the door, and they left the, her wicked stepmother and her stepsisters standing there, white with rage, shaking with anger and jealousy and spite, as they saw Ashenputtel led through the door, and then the, the prince so gently escorting her and leading her up the step into the carriage and then riding away with her. And the little pigeons flew around above the carriage and they sang, Looky, look, look, there's no blood at all. The golden shoe's a perfect fit. She's the true bride you met at the ball.'